welcome to the Life Design Podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I am Carlos. And as we've started to do recently, we just want to give you a little preview into the episode you are about to listen to. We had a most fascinating man on the podcast this week, Kirk Coons. He was amazing. He was. He was so interesting. He gave me a lot to think about after we were finished with him. And I mean, I I don't even know how to (laughs) accurately describe him. I think I would be doing a disservice. Yeah, I just think you're going to enjoy his approach. He Honestly, he was one of those people that after talking with him, I feel like he is now a friend. Most definitely. And I do appreciate that he just invited us to Mexico to come with him this weekend. That was great. And that brings me to one of the things that he talked about is his yes. It says yes to everything, really. Right. And that, you know, I have talked before in the past about you can't say yes to everything. Sometimes you have to say no. And I do. I would have liked to have, like, fleshed that out with him a little bit more because even his offer for Mexico, amazing as it is, it's a hard no, because we already have something going on with our daughter graduating. So it's just an interesting idea to me. And I think also for me, it related to saying yes, as often as possible to my kids when I was raising my kids. I didn't want everything to be a no, no, no. It was a Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. So I love uh, all of it. And I love anybody who challenges me and helps me to think and gives me a perspective and helps me see things in a different way. Yeah. So I think you are going to enjoy him as well. I hope you really listen to the core of what he says. I love his positivity. I love how he approaches each day. So enjoy this episode with Kurt Kuntz. Welcome to this episode of the Life Design Podcast. I'm Carlos. And I'm Suzanne. And we are calling still from Tennessee, from the RV. If you hear a little hum in the background, they're doing some lawn mowing here. And it never fails that every time (laughs) we start recording this lawnmower, it's like it's... it just happens. So yeah, it's that or rain because yes. if they're not mowing the lawn, it's because it's raining. And so then we have rain in the background, but I will say this is such a well-kept RV park. So it's, yeah, right. You can't complain. Right. We're not walking through weeds. So anyway, Kurt, Kurt Coons, we are thrilled that you decided to join us and it happened so quickly. We heard your name last week when we interviewed Jenny Q and she said, Oh my God, you got to talk to Kurt. We sent an email. You replied right away. So how are you today? I couldn't be better. Uh, today is a great day. Yesterday was a great day. And I think tomorrow is going to be pretty gosh darn good too. I love the positive <laughs> mindset. It's one thing that I have tried to do. I started this practice where I wake up and rather than just jumping out of bed, rather than trying to grab my phone and see all the unimportant things that might have happened overnight, except for the Yankees score, I... <laughs> I just lay there and and think about what kind of day do I want today? And it's up to me to make that happen. It doesn't mean everything's going to go great. Everything's going to go my way, but I take, I just take a notice of like five minutes of my mindset. What am I feeling? Do I still feel sluggish? 
um, and it has made such a difference. So I love the positive mindset of tomorrow's going to be great as well. Yeah, I found uh, not very long ago on your comment on when you first wake up, I started this probably about, I don't know, maybe about six months ago. You know, you wake up in the morning and you stretch and you kind of look around and, you know, those thoughts start coming in your mind. The first thoughts that come in my mind, I say, wait a minute. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to make a little gratitude list. And I try to think of about five or six things to be grateful for. And I want to try and make it where they're not really repetitive. You know, I can't say, hey, I'm thankful to be alive today and I'm thankful for this. I try to make no ones. And I find that's a pretty cool little kind of a mantra-like way to, to just wake up. And before you get, you know, flooded with the normal emotions, just talk about some things you're grateful for. And uh, gratitude solves everything. Right. Can't ever go wrong with gratitude. No. And it's so easy to find things to be grateful for. I was, you can't see it, but out the window here, where I have my office, there is a tree that has four bird nests in it. And the other day I was working and I just saw this bird, like it, it, it was just amazing, fly right into the tree and then sit in the nest. I'm like, I have never seen any of that. I've never seen that before. What a cool thing to be excited about. And when you live that life of gratitude, you start to notice those little things to say, wow, that was just a new experience for me. I'm really glad I got the opportunity to see that. So I, again, I think I, I'm with you. Gratitude changes everything. Everything. So Kurt, uh, we heard a little bit about you from Jenny. We heard, uh, I, I went to your website and we'll put all your website and social handles in the show notes, but you did something which is amazing. And some people may say crazy and we've, receive some of the same things in terms of life design, but you retired from a promising career at the age of 36. What led you to that decision? Well, uh, right out of college, I was very fortunate. I live in Boise, Idaho, and there's a large semiconductor company here called Micron Technology. And I got an interview with them and I started at the company fresh out of school and I started out in the sales group. And I spent basically nine years working for the company and I, I went up pretty, pretty well, pretty quickly. And uh, in 1994, myself and pretty much the whole management team left after a big you know, board fight. And then I spent from really 1994 up until 2000 uh, doing consulting work. And so I was helping small high tech companies try to get their sales efforts off the ground. And I don't know if it was something about the year 2000 or what it was, but in 2000, I thought, what if I just stopped? What if I just did the old jump off the cliff and instead of worried about the water level, what if I just jumped? What is the worst possible thing that could happen? And in my head, I thought, well, I would have to get another job. And I go, well, how hard is that? I'm young, I'm employable, I have skills. So I just, I just went for it. I said, I'm going to stop working and see what happens. And I'd like to make this point because most people assume that because I worked at a company or whatever, that I checked out with fat stacks. Not the case. Had I gone to a financial advisor 21 years ago and said, hey, I'm thinking about maybe like not working for a while. They would have said, well, you got about two weeks worth, man. 
Uh, and it, it, it just wouldn't have worked out. So I don't want people to think that, you know, I had $10 million and I just, you know, have Lear jets and stuff like that. But after I stepped out, I found all these other things to do in life. And I, I found new hobbies and I found new passions and, and I didn't leave broke. I, I left with something. But I've always lived within my means and I've always been more interested in experience than having things. Another very important thing is I'm not married and I don't have any children. So nobody depends on me and I'm not, you know, financially responsible for somebody else. And not that I couldn't be, but uh, it's just, it's not my scene right now. And so all of a sudden I kind of started marching down this different path and I just kind of got into the flow of life and this flow of life. Oh my God, it's brought me right here, right now. It brought me to you guys. Uh, me sitting at home in Boise and you guys in your RV in Tennessee with a lawnmower outside. And, <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I went too far off track there, but uh, does that kind of answer it? Is there a follow-up you oh, have? You or? can never go too far off track with us. We'll, <laughs> we'll listen and talk about anything. My ADD brain can keep oh, up with anything. He loves it. I like it. I like it. Jenny did share, like you've had some really amazing experiences. The two that she mentioned are both things that I would love to do. So you have done the El Camino de Santiago trail in Spain, and you've also studied yoga in India, correct? And yes. then just tell me a little bit more about those adventures and um, some of the most important life lessons or things that you learned about yourself or life in general that came out of those experiences? Well, I can. I, uh, I've always liked travel and I've always liked exercise. So I try to put those two things together in anywhere I'm going to do somewhat of a journey. And the first really big, the first kind of big badass thing I ever did, and I did it with no notice. I, I like, I, I thought of the idea and within two hours, I booked the plane ticket for it. And it's something I'd never done. I decided to go to Europe with a bicycle and ride my bike around and see how it went. And I did that in 2006. And I had never ridden a bike more than 30 miles and I'd never carried any weight. Uh, so I booked the plane ticket. I had three weeks between the time I left and the time I went. And during that three week period, I bought panniers, I filled them with books and I rode around the neighborhood and then I went a few more miles and this and that. Three weeks later, I got in an airplane with two panniers and my bike in a box and I'm mechanically challenged. So I was even afraid to like how to screw the pedals back on. I landed in Amsterdam in the airport and I spent the next 45 days by myself on my bicycle and I went through nine countries and I never slept in the same city uh, uh, ever. And I rode 2000 miles and I took the train 2000 miles. So I did a 4,000 mile loop around Europe. And that trip gave me more life confidence than anything I've ever done. I just came back and I, I kind of, you know, each day I just woke up and I'd look at a map and I'd say, I think I could make it like from here to here. And that's all I worried about was, could I get that far? And if it wasn't working out, I could stop on the train, put my bike on the train. And I just cruised and I made sure I didn't want to go to the big cities. I stayed predominantly in small places. Anyway, after I came back from that trip, I felt so empowered. 
I had conquered weather. I had, I had conquered adversity. I had conquered sleeping in weird places, being around strangers and, and this and that. And I, I, I just said, I need to continue on with these journeys. So a couple of years, I, I've taken a bunch of trips like that, bike trips, long bike trips. Then in, uh, I saw the movie The Way, which is about the Camino de Santiago, Martin Sheen, very popular movie. I'd recommend a lot of people watch it. I was with a long-term girlfriend in a movie theater watching that movie. And when I saw it, I said, I got to go do it. Have to go do this walk. So uh, about roughly a year later, I ended up, the timing was right. I got on a plane and went and did that. And also, I'm I'm pretty athletic. I, I, I exercise almost daily for really 30 plus years. I've never been a walker. Uh, to me, walking is boring. It's too slow. It's like can't get anywhere. And it wasn't my thing. So I, of course, went on a 500 mile walk in Spain. And the walk, oh my God, it's a magical experience. Every single day you wake up and everything you need is in a little tiny backpack you put on your back. And then you wake up and you just go out and walk. And the whole world comes to you. you every, every size, shape, color, nationality, uh, and life situation is walking with you. So you're walking along, you go, hey, Carlos, where are you from? I'm from Brazil. Um, well, what's going on with you? And you, it's like open kimono. Everyone says, well, my dad just died. I thought about killing myself and I'm coming to Spain. What are you doing here, Kurt? And it's really a, kind of an opening, uh, very open experience. And uh, about halfway through the trip, I thought, this is so mind blowing. I think when I go home, I need to write a book. And I've never written a book before. I don't have a history of being a writer, but I just thought I'm just going to go home and tell it like it is. I'm going to write about what kind of happened each day, what thoughts I had in my mind. And I want to try to write a book where somebody could maybe feel like they were walking along this trail. So when I came back from this experience, I wrote a book, which took another year to write. And then after I published the book, self-published, I you know, nobody was going to promote me. So I literally started calling local libraries and then libraries in surrounding cities. And I, I kind of created my own little book tour. Well, through this book tour thing, I started meeting all these awesome people. And that opened up more and more doors. And one of those doors was a woman who had walked the Camino. She had read my book. She was a mutual friend of somebody that I'd met in one of these speech deals. And she was working at an ashram in a city called Rishikesh in India. Now, I don't know what an ashram is. I don't have any idea where Rishikesh is. And I don't even know this woman. And we became Facebook friends. She, we had a couple of messages back and forth. Hi, you know, I walked the Camino. I did too. What year did you do it? She said, I read your book and, you know, whatever. And a couple of days later, she sent me a note and said, I know you travel a lot because I looked at your Facebook page and it seems like you move around. I really think you need to come to Rishikesh. It had never even been on my radar. So I looked up the city. It was a city of 100,000 people. So I thought it's not going to be too whacked out, not too crazy. I, I literally, I don't know if you remember, but the Beatles went to India one time for an iconic life-changing trip. They went to Rishikesh. 
And I go, wow. good enough for those guys, good enough for me. <laughs> and uh, again, kind of in my theory that we talked about a while ago about quitting work, what's the worst thing that can happen? I got to come home. So I went to India uh, for the first trip was five weeks. You know, so far you kind of can't go. I lived in Lashram and it was awesome. And I had started yoga a couple of years earlier, but yoga, this city's thought to be the, the yoga capital of the world. And they really believe it was originated there. And so I experienced all types of different yoga and it was a great trip. Well, after I left, I thought, yeah, one and done. I don't think I need to go back there. Well, throughout that year, all my really good memories went, took me right back to India. And I kind of felt like I was missing something. So I went again the next year. And then I went the next year and I signed up with one of my favorite teachers and did a 200 hour month long yoga teacher training uh, with him. And there were 16 people in my class. Check this out. Every person was from a different country. Every one of them, That's awesome. uh, which is you're only 195 countries. How you could not duplicate one is something. And we literally lived together in the same building, ate all of our meals together and learned how to do yoga. Well, I came back from that and I had some pretty cool experiences. And I thought, you know, these last three years in India, I got another book in me. So I wrote another book about India and I self-published that. And then I went back two more times. I went back in, I don't know what year we're in, but I couldn't go last year, but the two previous years, I went back to Rishikesh each year. And, you know, again, it started from speech, a person, an invitation, and now India is just part of my life. And I, I, I dove in and took the flow. Boy, that's a, that's a long answer, isn't it? <laughs> No, I, I love it. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here there. I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> First of all, I love what you said earlier about, and it's something we've adopted about investing in experience, not on stuff, because what you have experienced is, is so amazing. And then I also, my mind goes to somebody who may be listening and say, okay, I could never do that. It's just impossible. He's single and I have all these responsibilities. And we've had people say this to us. I could never move into our RV. And I'm like, why not? You know, we have this limiting belief of what we can and cannot do. The reality is if we want our life to look that way, it may not be the Jerry Maguire moment of who's coming with me, but we can plan it out if we have that alignment within ourselves. And if we do have a partner, to say, how do we make that happen? You know, us buying an RV wasn't a, a quick hit. It was a, a two-year discussion where we looked at everything under the sun, and then COVID surely played a part in it. But I love that you're talking about these experiences that you've just said, what's the worst that can happen? All right, and we, we had raised four kids, and we knew that that empty nest time was coming, and so that's really what we we expected to be a life change and a change in our relationship and we were trying to be mindful of that and figuring out what we wanted to do as our next step and especially since we had married and had a kid right away 
And so we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of time on the front end of our marriage. And so we got a whole lot of time on the back end here to have some fun. So not that it wasn't, it was all fun, but I loved, there was something that stood out to me when you were talking about your bicycle trip. And oh my word, you started in Amsterdam. Everybody in Amsterdam rides a bike. I, that is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in and would love oh. to spend much more time there. I have just done very, very long layovers, the longest layovers I could manage when I was coming back and forth to Africa. But what, what stood out to me is your intentional lack of expectation on yourself. Like you had talked about, you'd look at a map and be like, okay, I can go, think I can go from here to here, but if I don't, no big deal. I'll just stop early. And I think sometimes we get stuck in that trap of our own expectations for ourselves, others people's expectations. And then this, an idea that we have suddenly becomes mired down in all those complications and excuses and fears and expectations. And then we miss the opportunity. Spot on. <laughs> uh, you know, I think when you're I think that we all go through a cycle of life. I think when you're young, you just want to please your parents. I mean, you want to make them happy. You want to be loved. You want to make things work. And then you get a little bit older and you decide you need to please society. You need to do what you think are the societal norms. And then you wake up at some point in time and you go, you know, I don't really, my life is finite and I have X amount of time. And how much time did I waste trying to make my parents happy? And how much time did I waste trying to conform to these norms that I don't even necessarily agree with? And how about a little time for, you know, for me? Uh, so I like that. Um, shifting gears a little bit, one of you had said something about when is the right time or how do you know when it's the right time or something like that. And on these speeches I did for the Camino, I did a lot of them. In two years, I did 150 speeches in all over, Colorado, Chicago, uh, California, Seattle. I mean, I did a bunch of them. And a lot of people would call me up and I would always give my phone number out. It's My phone number is on the back of the book. Uh, it's my cell number. And uh, so I'll, anybody that has interest, I will help anytime. And people... They say, yeah, I'm going to go walk the Camino. I'm going to do it after COVID in 2023. I got two girls I got to get through college and I got this and that. And I look at them and I go, you're not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything you're talking about out three years after seven life events are going to happen. I mean, it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> the, the way you walk the Camino, the first and most important thing to do, buy a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's how you're going to walk the Camino until you go through the basics of you have to get there. And what do you need? You need a backpack. You need a backpack and boots. And these people, and I don't mean it as these people is not even a good term, but people like they want to read 300 books and they want to, what's the optimal thing to pack and forget it, man, get a backpack, buy a plane ticket and go. And I always tell them, I go, if you're waiting for the optimal time, if you think there's going to be this one magic moment where your bank account, your employer, your family, your spouse, and your children say, hey, Suzanne, hey, Carlos, 
why don't you go to Spain for 45 days, walk and find yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Never going to happen. So I'm of the belief that things that you want to happen, you just have to make them happen. And again, you kind of have to just jump and go for it. And I think it, one of the questions you'd asked me earlier was the whole idea of security, of how could somebody like quit work at this young age? And I'm going to kind of throw it backwards. I think security is a complete myth. Uh, I don't think anyone has security by an employer. No one has security by government. Nobody has. We don't have security. We're going to be alive tomorrow. And we all think that these things are all going to work out. Well, they don't. <laughs> so if you go with the idea that security is a myth and in the theory of letting go of stuff, let that one go. And when you let that go, oh, my God, you got these wings where you can really fly and you can really go and do stuff. And, uh, man, there's so many. I've met so many people that are just flat ass broke that I don't know how they do it, but I see them in Costa Rica. I see them in India and they're just out surviving the world and experiencing stuff and traveling and uh you just people, you do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, everybody's got time to binge watch 300 episodes of Netflix. And you say, hey, you want to go, you know, want to go take an eight mile bike ride? Yeah, after I put two kids through college in 2024 after COVID. Yeah, it sounds great. So um, uh, maybe, again, just go for it. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait and don't rely on anybody. And we, we talk about that a lot, and, and Suzanne has used a term of living on the promise of Sunday, where Sunday's not a day in the week. And I know I got into that trap when I ran my first agency was, I just need that one more client and I can do this. And I had a friend, and I, I love him for it, who said to me, you know what you need to do in terms of leaving that agency. You just need the courage to do it. And I had every excuse at the ready, the two kids in college, two more on the way, all of these things. And I got to tell you, I had no big fallback. I didn't even walk away with a lot of money. And I did have four kids. We were married and I pulled that ripcord. Best freaking decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> it was scary in terms of at that point, I was, I call myself a recovering control freak because at that point I was an unabashed control freak, but now it is, it's like, okay, yeah, go for it. And I, I'm with you, Kurt. I think if we say, well, in 2024, this is what I want to do in this. And I have a friend who keeps say, texting me saying, Hey, do you want to hike Kilimanjaro? I want to do it before I'm 40. He texted me that two months ago. He also texted me that three years ago. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, so, you know, when are you going to actually make this happen? You keep talking about it. And yes, it's a lot of money, but holy hell, what an experience that would be. And why are you waiting for me to make that happen if that's something you want to do? And it's almost like this gauge, this check of, well, maybe if I have somebody with me, I can do it. Uh, so I'm curious in all of your adventures, the response from those close to you who are saying, you're being wildly unresponsible or what are you doing? There's no security in going to India. There's no security in flying to Spain. You had this job, you left that, you had this consulting gig, you left that. Because in our experience, 
uh, not all, but some closest to us have been the biggest naysayers. And it's, you, you kind of just go, okay. I mean, we're at the point of like, that's fine. We're, we're good. We, we didn't ask for your input. So I'm curious if you experienced any of that as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, up front when I quit the work, everyone thought I was nuts and, and I would tend to agree with them. Uh, when I started to take some of these trips, people, they, they, most people can't grasp it. Right. They go, how the hell would you go to Europe with a bike? Um, how, how do you go to Spain and walk that far? And these concepts for so many people are so far out of their way. I don't think that they're trying to say no because they don't want me to go and find happiness in it. It's just a concept that is so filled with fear for themselves, they can't even grasp it. So they immediately put a little negativity on it. Really, are you sure? You know, are you afraid? And uh, again, I always say, you know, what, A, what am I going to remember down the road? And B, what's the worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is always you could just come back home. Uh, so then, yeah, I do. I get a lot of people that, you know, they shake their head and this and that. It's gone to a point, you guys, it's a lifestyle for me. Um, I, I'm gone typically six months of the year. And if you look at my calendar, if you look at my calendar backwards, every single day is full. Every day I've got people, I got events, I got these really fun things. My calendar forward right now is I have a dentist appointment in May, I have another one in November, and June 11 of 22, I have a wedding in Chicago. And the buddy just texted me a couple of days ago. And so that's my future. Um, I guarantee by the end of two weeks, I look backwards, it'll all be filled up. Sure. And so, and I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't plan things, but that's just the choice that I've kind of made. So, and I also believe in saying yes to everything. When an opportunity presents itself, you guys called me up and you want to do this deal? Absolutely. What day works for you? How about this one? And boom, here we are. Um, so by saying yes to everything, it just seems to uh, seems to work out really well. Um, does that make some sense? Or absolutely, I like that too because I think we, myself included, overthink things sometimes. When I could just say yes, and that doesn't mean it has to be a lifelong commitment. I can do something for a couple of years. I can do it for a couple of months, or but I still the yes can always be a win. The no is always a loss. So that is an interesting idea behind that. I think, it, well, and to your point, it just opens the door to opportunity instead of us getting so regimented and well, this is what, you know, this week has to look like and getting locked in. And, and I think it is, I think it's a societal norm, especially with young people today. It's okay. You went to college. What are you doing for a job? Mm-hmm. or you're graduating high school, where are you going to college? And then once you get that job is how are you going to move up that corporate ladder? How are you going to make this happen? How are you going to do this? You get a family. I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, when I have children, I know that my desire to travel will change. And I'm like, well, first of all, it probably won't change. And then why wouldn't you take your kids with you? Imagine the gift you would give them of traveling. And it was something we did when our kids were younger um, I'm proud to say that our kids really have not spent, save one, one day when the boys were really little, any time at Disneyland or Disney World. We went to national parks. We did road trips. We saw more Absolutely. of this country by car 
partly because to buy six plane tickets was super expensive, but, and we asked them now and they're like, oh, we love those trips. And I asked them once, I'm like, do you guys regret? And they're like, no, the, the amount that they've seen and experienced has been amazing. And we just talked about, this is how we're choosing to spend our money and our time. If you guys do it differently, that's great. But for us, that whole idea of experience was huge. And I, I, I think saying yes to everything gives the opportunity to live out those experiences. And you also, you really have to have, you have to have the right attitude. You have to, I, I believe happiness is a choice. Yes. And that's controversial to begin with. Some people, you know, say, oh, well, that's baloney. Um, earlier, somewhere we talked about these things down the road. This happiness down the road is a pile of crapola. The I'm going to be happy when, uh, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> happy right now and happy in every moment. And again, at, at the risk of probably making a listener or two mad, COVID was a horrible year, right? Couldn't we all agree it was a horrible year and you know bad things happened and all this misery and this and that. I think I had the best year I've ever had. And I, uh, a friend of mine called me up and she goes, look, I usually rent my condominium out, but I don't want to do that. And uh, um, I'm not going to be there. Would you like to use it? And I moved into a friend's condo and it was in a different city and it was in a mountain city. And I was able to go out in nature. I met a whole new yoga community. I made a whole bunch of new friends and, and a bunch of pretty magical things happened. And I wasn't around people. I quarantined like everybody else and did the right stuff. Towards the end of that summer, one of my friends up there is a guy who he'd heard me speak and him and his wife at age 68 went and decided to walk the Camino and they did it. Well, I was talking to him on a hike and he looked at me, he goes, hey, I don't know if you're aware, we go to Dallas for the summertime um, or for the winter. Um, would you be interested in house sitting for us this winter? And I just came back from three months living in their house in the ski town. And I socially distanced, I did all the right stuff, but I skied. And I skied more than I've done since I was in high school. And I, I again met a bunch of people, had all these really good experiences. And, uh, and I came back and another opportunity has already presented itself and I'm leaving Sunday for two weeks. And uh, uh, you're not gonna believe it. I'm going to Mexico to teach yoga. And uh, there's a deal when you're a certified teacher, resorts need teachers. And so you still have to pay, but you pay like a fraction. And uh, I looked on this website, there's an opportunity and uh, I'm out of here on Sunday. And uh, I made that decision yesterday. So it just kind of, again, popped up and felt like the right thing to do. And, uh, and, and I'm going for it. And again, I thought, what am I gonna remember? Am I gonna remember mowing my yard, making my house pretty and, you know, another, some time at home or how about teaching yoga for a week or two in Cabo? Um, what do you guys think? What's your vote? I, well, I'm I, in. I'd go to Cabo <laughs> and if next, oh. if next winter you're not available to house sit for your friends, we are. I would love to ski 56 days. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Come up and, uh, you know, what's weird is these are really good people. And uh, uh, I'm going to go back and do that same thing next year. And please come. Uh, I think awesome. I, had, I had six groups of people that came up and stayed with me. 
And I invited more. Uh, same deal. I started inviting people. I invited people from my gym. I hardly even know. I go, hey, you want to come out and ski? And they go, what? Huh? And some people did. And I thought the right people show up. Those that don't, you know, won't. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to come to Idaho next winter and ski, you have a place to stay. Awesome. Sounds good. It was interesting you talking about COVID and I'm not taking away any, any of the heartache that people went through, but we, we kind of experienced the same thing. We, when we said goodbye to our daughter to, for her junior year, her plan was to stay here in Nashville and, and we know what COVID did. And we ended up, and we had spent so much time with our next door neighbors at the time when we owned the house, we actually had a gate that went between our privacy fence because we were, I mean, really, we just lived in communities. So we quarantined with them. So our daughter came home, our son, his high school shut down. So they were all online. And we had this group of this community that we had there in the Springs in Colorado Springs that we had been with so much when quarantine went into place. It was like, okay, we're going to quarantine together. And I remember those weeks where we, one of us would text at around one in the afternoon and say, hey, on the menu tonight is this. And if you bring this and this, and we ended up just either playing cards or playing, being outdoors. And it, it was, and then having our, our kids so close, it was just a, and I hate, almost hate to, I almost feel irreverent saying this, just a magical time that we didn't expect. And we talk about, that spring and even into summer where it was like, wow. And we could have been the exact opposite. I had like one little temper tantrum when I had to <laughs> cancel our spring break, break plans. But I look at the approach and even our kids were like, yeah, this isn't optimal. Our son was a senior in high school. He's like, this isn't optimal, dad, but you know, dad, mom, we're, we're gonna make the best of this. Right, and because happiness is a choice. And so we had this delightful little quarantine club and yeah. just tried to make, make the whole, something that we couldn't control and we could not control the circumstances and we couldn't even control what, who may get sick and, or whatever within that. Like we, we did what we needed to do, but we could make the best of the situation that we were in and just take it one day at a time. And it, it was, we have some of our best memories yeah. will be from that time. And I know even just our two youngest kids were, they were already close, but that time they had together and we had some of their best friends that came in and moved with us. And it was, it was, an, it was amazing. The happiness is a, happiness is a choice. That's a big one. Another thing I found to be really important in my life, acceptance and accept things that happen and don't just let them go immediately. And the quicker you let them go, the better. Let's say, literally, say you get in a car wreck. Okay, you're driving down the road. And I'm not talking about a major life-threatening wreck. I mean, a little fender bender. Who's ever happy with that? And the answer is nobody. You know, it's a pain in the butt. You got to take your car. You got to get it fixed. It looks weird. It's inconvenient. It's not good. But after that accident's occurred, there's nothing you can do in your head that changes the outcome. And so instead of, oh, I shouldn't have turned this way. Oh, I should have done this. Ooh, that guy was on his phone. It's his fault. It's my fault. It's their fault. It's, it happened. <laughs> it happened. Accept it. Move on. And as simple as that sounds in that little example there, take that in everything. Take that to your spouse dumps you. Or, uh, you know, you can't grieve a death. 
in the same way. You can't go, oh, mom died, you know, I've got to let it go. You know, you obviously have to process that. But if 10 years after your somebody's passed and you're still really attached to that, it's too much. Yeah. And I think if you just accept the things that happen in life, instead of trying to recreate them or to control them, we control basically nothing. And when you go with that thought that you do control very little, then the things that happen that come along, they do just happen. And I used to get really pissed at an airport when a flight, I'd miss a flight. I mean, what's more, you know, oh my God, it's two o'clock, I missed my flight, blah, blah, blah. When it happens now, I go, I wonder who I'm supposed to meet here at this airport. Or, you know, maybe I got a little extra time to read this book and, oh, you know, I'm gonna get home three hours late. You know, is the world really gonna stop spinning? When, when I was in business and I missed a flight, oh my God, I would just, my head would explode. Smoke came out of my ears and uh, uh, I just couldn't even see straight. Now, it, it, I look back and it's like, what did all that anger do? It just prevented me from enjoying the current moment at that time. Uh, and uh, that's that's no bueno, not good. Right, it, it does absolutely nothing. And we, we've had that conversation many times because you used to be that same way and definitely not anymore. And I used to, I'd get, and I would get frustrated because I'm like, now you've, you're, it's impacting our time together and there's literally nothing you can do about it. We have no control over the airlines and we have no control over this situation. So nothing. you being angry about it, it totally does nothing except it does, you are impacting me and you're impacting the kids or you're impacting people around you. And so just being more mindful of those things and accepting, accepting the things that we just have zero control over. It is very freeing. You have said that you're like, it's so free. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think too, the just holding things loosely. And I remember uh, in 2016, I read a book called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello, who has since passed, but he was a, a priest. And he talked about that the way to love is to hold it loosely. And he talked about if you lose a relationship and the devastation that so many people go through. And I'm not saying you don't mourn that. I'm not saying it doesn't make you sad or a death. It doesn't make you sad. But to your point, we get so caught up in the things in that relationship, we get so caught up in the things that that does for us. So when that relationship ends or a loved one passes, I see many people who 10 years later still are in that depressive circle of and, and, and not been able to move past that, where if they would hold it loosely, and I'm not saying to hold it carelessly, they would have a much better quality of life mentally and emotionally, surely, and probably spiritually, to just be able to say, I'm grateful for the time I had with that relationship. If it's a breakup or a divorce, it doesn't mean it was a failure. Look at the positive that came out of that relationship. I know with our marriage, and we were talking about this with friends this weekend, wouldn't want to go back and do many of those years over again because they were dark. But I do look back and there are things that we encountered as a couple that have made us who we are today. Sure. And in that you say, okay, great. And we've put that marriage to death. And now we're in our second marriage to the same, but two very different people. You know, when when I was on that Camino walk, and, and this in the book, 
the first little bit of walking, you know, I, I'd made some new friends. You know, you're in a foreign country, you don't know anybody, and I kind of made some friends. And I was talking to this one guy, it was my first friend, his name was Peter, and I started talking to him after the first day's walk. I go, well, how far are you going to walk each day? And he kind of told me what his plan was, and my plan was to go a little bit faster. And I, I wasn't in a rush, but we just had these different ideas of how to go. And I remember how it was pretty hard to say goodbye to him. That for a guy I'd known 24 hours, and it was hard to say bye-bye, Peter. And then I started realizing that, you know, people come and people go, and we're all walking to a different place in a different location, and we're all going at different paces. And sometimes somebody comes along and walks with you, and maybe you've helped them or they've helped you, but every walk ends. It, it, it does. And you can't get to the end of the Camino holding hands with 8,000 people. Uh, you can only go there alone. But all those people that I walked with, they do become part of you. But all relationships end, all of them. At death, everything ends, uh, uh, in theory, at least your personal relationships. Uh, but so to this idea, again, of security and that it's all forever and this and that, it's, it's a myth. And you need to enjoy the time together. And then when, let's say you are devastated. I was devastated and, and on the Camino, I broke up with a girlfriend of five years and it was part of my reason for being on the walk. And, uh, you know, not having her in my life created a lot of space for a lot of really cool things to happen. And had we been together, a lot of really cool things probably would have happened in a different path, but I wouldn't have written a book. I wouldn't have gone to India. I wouldn't have done the yoga. Uh, you know, what my entire life is right now would not have happened had that divergence not taken place. And another kind of roundabout way, talking about books, The Untethered Soul is one of my Bible books. I love it. And I literally, it's on my Kindle all the time, uh, The Untethered Soul. And when I'm done reading it, I just start it over. And I can read a chapter two. I've probably read this book 20 times. And there's a, a little line in there I just really like. He goes, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we all kind of think we're so important and that, you know, the world somehow revolves around us. And maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're the CEO of your dog because your dog likes you or the two of you together, you're so important to each other, which you obviously are. But you guys... We're on a spinning ball of water in the middle of a universe that has trillions of stars. And we're here for less than a micro nanosecond. And we take all this stuff thinking that it revolves around us and that we have control. We have control over our politicians or our spouses or our children or our health. You know, we can impact all those things a little bit, but what we control is basically nothing. And when you accept that back on the spinning ball of water for a fraction of a second, uh, wake up in the morning and think about that from a perspective and then go out and enjoy the day. Enjoy the day with that liberation as opposed to, well, I'm going to be happy in three days after, you know, my child gets an A in math, math or something, um, much harder. Yeah, I never brought home an A in math, so I, I my parents were waiting for that. They were sorely disappointed. <laughs> um, 
Kurt, this has been awesome. Uh, I, I definitely, we're going to track you. We're going to have you back on. I can, I can tell you that for sure. I, we so resonate with your philosophy of life and it's, it's just awesome to hear and see you do it. So thanks for sharing that. For those who are listening who go, this is great, but this is, you know, one in a million, you know, Kurt's some special guy. It's not true. You know, these types (laughs) of things. What are one or two things they could do like right now, like they're done listening to the podcast and they say, I want my life to be different. I want to design my life instead of have my life design me. One or two things they can I can do. tell you exactly, exactly. The, the, the core message when I did all those speeches on the Camino was we all live in routine. We just, everything we do is the same. And you don't even realize it. You kind of sleepwalk through life. You wake up and you do this and that, and it's the same thing over and over. And you go, I'm going to make a change later. So what could you do right now for any listener out there? change many things every day and let's go with simplicity tomorrow morning when you wake up drive a different route to go to work tomorrow have something for dinner you've never ever 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 had Uh, pick up a cookbook look online type in a recipe you've never seen make it make something different for dinner um i uh just to simplify i ride my bikes a lot and when I came back from one of my bike trips, I go, I'm just going to ride every bike trip backward or every route I take backwards. Just that simple change in perspective is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Try to, like I said a minute ago about driving a different way to work, try that one. Uh, it'll, it sounds like a really easy thing to do. Freaking hard. <laughs> and right? when you, when you get off the rails a little bit, you realize I can do this. I can do something different than the way I used to and take some baby steps. Uh, go someplace new, go someplace you've never been. Don't say, well, every year we go to the cabin at this lake and, you know, by Thursday we're tired cause we're sunburned. Go to Antarctica, get winter burned. Uh, you know, just do different things is, uh, I think, something specifically anybody can do. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. Um, another one is is uh, help people. Um, you know, if you, if you want to really be happy, you know, a lot of people think that money makes you happy. It helps some stuff. But most of really rich people I know are just miserable. They, they have more... Yeah hassles and headaches than you can imagine. Uh, Material stuff, I mean, it doesn't make you happy. Otherwise, everyone driving a Lexus would be a happy person. Uh, So help people. You want to be happy. And what what could you do to help somebody? Go rake your neighbor's yard. Uh, You know, find someone in your neighborhood and take them a little gift. Uh, Do some random acts of kindness. Uh, Walk into a store and compliment a stranger. Go, wow, that's the coolest outfit I've ever seen. Go, I don't, I don't know how you even put that those clothes together. It looks so good on you. Um, start showering love and happiness everywhere you go. And then you start to vibrate at that higher level. And then all the positive stuff comes back at you. Um, so I guess, again, I've given you the five-minute answer to a one-minute question. Uh, break your routines. Anybody can do it. And help people. Help anybody. Help people. And Third unsolicited thing, reach out your hand and meet people. 
Uh, anyone that crashes your path often, if you go to the gym and the guy next year, or the woman next year is always on that same bike, put your hand out and say, my name is Kurt. What is your name? Tell me your story. And everyone has an amazing story to tell you. And uh, especially those people that show up often, you know, if every time you go to a store, you see that same person, that's the one you really need to reach out. They have a purpose in your life and uh, you have one in theirs. So uh, share freely. Okay. I, I love that. And I know you're laughing <laughs> because of the routine thing. I always tease him about that because hey, it, it is actually good for your brain and for your like mental health to break up those routines. And we are so like routine oriented. Like I tease him all the time about that. Even just sitting in the same side of the couch every time I won't let him do it. Like I'm like, yeah. you, we have to mix it up. We cannot be these routine people Set my coffee in the morning. I'm gonna, I can't. Mm. Now we'll break up the routine about who does what. Right. Yeah. But who makes I'm gonna, the coffee? I'm gonna there drink go. my coffee in the morning. But yeah, we've, we talk a lot about that because he, uh, I tell him it's part of his like recovering control freak therapy that I'm just here to help him with. But I just don't wanna, I don't know. It feels good to me to not do that. And then, it's always good to be in service to other people. I think that is part of the reason we're here. Absolutely. And I know that in times when I can be a, get a little down with whatever's gone on in life in the past or self-absorbed or whatever, um, serving others always will pull me out of it. Every time. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Without fail. And the times when I haven't done that and it just, I get worse. So that for sure are go-tos so Kurt, well, does you, i mean you just start vibrating at a lower level and uh and then you get into negativity you get into victimhood and mm -hmm. and then you start to attract it and it's a it's a death spiral right and instead of augering into the ground how about if you vibrate up to the moon and you know lift off like a rocket and then hang out with rockets and uh, uh man the view's a lot better from there than it is with your nose stuck in a bunch of dirt uh, yep. trying to chew your way to the center of the earth. Um, that's a miserable, miserable way to go. I think, I think we, we attract, yeah, we attract what we put out there. Yeah. So Kurt, one last question for you before we let you go, who else should we have on the podcast? I know you've met some interesting people. Who should you have? Let me, uh, do, 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 do. For somebody who's living a life that's a little bit different, right? Well, somebody who's just embodied life design because it doesn't look the same for any, you know, it looks different for everybody. So who, whoever is embodying and, and no matter where they are in that journey. Yeah. And you can do stuff around uh, different parts of the world too, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I know this woman in, uh, I think she'd be a good one. She's in India. No. Oh, wait. I know the woman you need. You need this woman named Alexandra Abrams. And uh, I'll hook you guys up. Awesome. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Alexandra Abrams. Uh, she's a good one. Kurt, you have been awesome. Your <laughs> energy is awesome. He's we a can, delight. We That's the word that comes your, to my mind. You're just a delight. I say this with absolutely no hesitation. You are just a beautiful man. Oh my so, God. I love you guys. Come <laughs> see with me. Uh, we will definitely do that. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Life Design Podcast. We will put all of Kurt's information in the show notes. I can't wait to read your books. Mm -hmm. And most of all, for those of you listening, 
make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Life Design Podcast. You can find more episodes with people who have designed their life to get the most from it by visiting us at carlosandsuzanne.com.